The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. As Obi-Wan Kenobi once said, hello there and welcome to Force Center Presents Databank Dive on the Companion. I'm Ken Napsok. And I am Joseph Scrimshaw. And on this show, we hope you've been enjoying this journey. But if you're just joining us now, this is what we do. We, uh, as Star Wars podcasters, lifelong fans, we take something kind of small, weird, potentially silly, something that maybe you knew, something maybe you might even just be discovering, a character, a ship, a setting, uh, uh, equipment, and we highlight that item, that person, that thing, we take a deep dive into the databank. Joseph, are you ready for today's topic? Oh, I'm so excited. All right. I went with a character this time. Ooh. Um, and I went with Malakili, <gasps> a.k.a. the Rancor Keeper. Oh, I'm so glad there are two ways to know him. <laughs> There are two ways to know him. Oh, yes. Oh, here we go. Uh, we always love to take some of the um, info that's out there or might be out there on uh, StarWars.com's databank, which, by the way, if you're a Star Wars fan who haven't you haven't spent a lot of time maybe on their website, you can get lost on the databank. Wikipedia, we also take a little supplemental information from Wikipedia. Same thing. I think a lot of people know that. You click here, you click here, you're, you're in a rabbit hole of uh, a Gundark hole of Star Wars information. <laughs> I think the StarWars.com databank is underrated for that as well. Uh, here's what they have to say about our friend Malakili. A burly human, Malakili tended to Jabba the Hutt's menagerie, including the galactic gangster's prize pet, Rancor. Despite the Rancor's vicious nature, Malakili cared about the beast. He was shocked when Luke Skywalker killed his monstrous charge and wept at its demise. That, that is beautiful. That's some art right there, Joseph. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that why we we love the StarWars.com databank is sometimes it's pretty straightforward information and sometimes there's some poetry to it. And <laughs> there's some poetry in that uh, in that entry. Very intrigued by the use of the word shocked. He was shocked yes. when Luke Skywalker. That, yeah, yeah I, I like imagining him going, what? Well, okay, I want to I want to focus in on that here because do you think yes, we know Luke's skills, but do you think there was a little bit of complacency for both Jabba, Malakili, everyone where they've just been seeing Patissa just wrecking shop and the shock was came out of their own hubris for thinking they could this rancor could never be taken down. Absolutely. I don't think we quite see the shock from Malakili. I think we, as we will, I'm sure we'll talk about, we see uh, the sadness uh, yeah. and the pain. Uh, but I love that shot in Return of the Jedi. I think normally for everybody watching, it's like the only question is like, you know, how long are they going to last? Right. Because there's yeah. that great shot when all of the uh, the denizens of Jabba's palace are like in it and they're like, yeah. yeah. And then they do the, huh? Yeah. Like they all stop at once. It is a visual version of an audio record scratch. <laughs> totally is. Totally is. Uh, I want to focus on this side of it here. Uh, we, we want to be uh, uh, positive and, 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 and body positivity is that too. So this description of him as a burly human, it, look, it, it is a fact, but you know, you grew up with him. He was, he was shirtless. He was a bigger guy. Um, I looked at him uh, differently than the now for one. I am now a burly human. <laughs> So <laughs> I, I identify more with Malakili now than I did back then. But I love that description. I, I wear that one with pride. Burly. Yeah. Burly. Burly. It's a good, good word. Yeah. 
so there's more flavor to be had on Wikipedia. We always love taking a dive into what um, they and their editors have put out there. So, so we get a little bit of history. And yes, there's uh, we take mostly from the Canon tab. There's a lot of stuff with Legends. But I, I noticed about Malachili, a lot of what's in the Canon tab really does line up with some of his Legends stories. Uh, cool. So interesting there. Malachili was hired as a Beastmaster for the a traveling hut circus, uh, many circuses. But he worked for the Circus Horrificus. <laughs> Yeah. I think they were on Lollapalooza at one point, one year. Uh, I think so. Um, yeah. You have quite a reaction to that, Joseph. Oh, I love that. It sounds like so many things. It, it sounds like a, a, you know, a British horror film that may have starred Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. Welcome to the circus. Horrificus. <laughs> it all, it's all connected. So, you know, he goes on to have um, kind of this interesting career. With Jabba handling uh, all of his menagerie, a Beastmaster true and true and through and through, but also, you know, a connection with Batista, the Rancor that we know. But uh, after the uh, death of Jabba, the destruction of the Katana Sail Barge and um, the vacuum of power that was created, uh, we're finding out more about that in modern Star Wars storytelling. But one of the uh, big things was uh, Chuck Wendig's Aftermath novel, series of uh, three novels released uh, beginning in, uh, I believe, what, 2015. Uh, had these wonderful little interludes that introduced us to new characters or took us back to old characters. And, and that's, we got to spend time with Malakili, the rank. Yeah. So out of that, Joseph, uh, there was this thing, uh, you know, Malakili was saved uh, during an interaction with the, the red key Raiders uh, by a human man and a twilight woman. Uh, they approached him and they introduced themselves as Cobb Vanth and Issa Orr. Vanth explained that he was a lawman and de facto mayor of Mos Pelgo, uh, which he uh, had been named renamed Freetown. When the pair asked Malakili if he had these skills, he stated that he was uh, worthless without his creatures. Issa Orr asked Malakili if he was a beast master and he replied that he was. Hearing this, Vanth offered Malakili a job training Rontos, which the trainer accepted, and then asked if he could train a hutlet. Beastmaster replied he could teach one and agreed to work with Vanth in free time. And then mm. sometime after this big skirmish, um, Malakili was reunited with Porcellus, the former head chef of Jabba's <laughs> Palace. The two became business partners, and they eventually traveled to Moss Eisley, where they opened the Crystal Moon Restaurant. <laughs> uh yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, I remembered all this stuff from Aftermath because it was one of the most uh, delightful parts of it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I'm I'm clicking the link here in the uh, the Crystal Moon Restaurant. That's from Star Wars Complete Locations, a book. Yeah. Looks like from yeah. 2016. All right then. Yeah. Yeah, and look, this, uh, you know, w the future of Malakili storytelling could very well uh, be in, in uh, who knows, a contradiction to this, or maybe it will be an extension of this. <laughs> yeah, this is so great, because I love all the details from Aftermath, and I'm just blown away by the fact uh, of just how down-to-earth that last sentence is, of <laughs> the head chef, and then the Crystal Moon restaurant. I think I've probably, uh, in my life, Ken, I've probably dined at 87 places called the crystal moon restaurant. That's yeah. not that exotic or spacey of a name. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, so that's that. And in general here, we'll start diving into some de de details, Joseph, but what do you, the return of Malakili and aftermath um, was pretty celebrated. Uh, were you on board with that? Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, we'll get into Mally Keeley's, uh, the relate, the relationship that people had with him, but I think he's one of those characters that you can overlook for a moment. Uh, but then if you go like, Hey, wait, let's actually just follow, uh, this tip of the iceberg storytelling that Star Wars does and says, well, if that was his actual job and he had those actual skills, uh, what mm -hmm. else would he do? 
Yeah. Uh, and I think it's one of those great examples of, you know, following the trail and uh, taking something that can, on a first glance, look silly and finding some some yeah. depth and still having a sense of humor about it. Yeah, abs- absolutely. I, I think it, it it checks all those boxes of uh, the need for a good restaurant on precisely. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll see. Um, so we're going to uh, dive a little deeper in here. Um, I, I, I described him and uh, taking from the, the data bank, uh, a burly human description there, but let's go a little deeper because what he's wearing or what he is not wearing is pretty iconic <laughs> in Star Wars. So how would you just kind of physically describe Malik uh, and what he's wearing? Yeah. I mean, I think I would just go to topless because it resonated mm-hmm. in my head so much, uh, as a kid. Uh, but yeah, he does have, um, some, some headwear, uh, and then absolutely no shirt, uh, some bracelets and then, uh, yeah, the kind of real big puffy pants. And uh, I've never really focused on this, but I'm just going to straight up call that a space fanny pack. He's wearing he's wearing a large fanny pack. Uh, and I think, that, you know, his face, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, as you're saying, his stature, burly is a great word for it. Yeah. A totally normal human body to have. Uh, but his face, there's some intensity to his face. Like, I think you could read lots of different emotions into it. And that's a big part of uh, what makes Malakili Malakili. Yeah. Well, yeah. Great description on there. Great description there uh, on everything that he was. And, and I uh, pulled a little bit more of what, um, how he's kind of uh, officially described uh, in uh, the w- Wikipedia. Uh, they, they go through what he was wearing and say, um, at the time of Skywalker's arrival. So who knows what he was wearing on Tuesday, but Wednesday when Luke showed up, <laughs> Malik Healy wore a dark sweat-soaked rag belt. Oh. <laughs> Ancient, ancient circus pants. <laughs> years gone by, a brown headdress, spiked armbands because, you know, you never know, and wrist guards. But basically, he looks like a pro wrestler in the territory days of the early 70s, late 60s. He is ready to go. There is so much in this. Where's that? Where's all this from? Is this uh, Wikipedia? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, Again, there's a lot. There's a lot on Malakili that is uh, normally a character like this in the canon tab doesn't have as much as the Legends tab. And Legends gave us years and years and years of wonderful and often crazy stories. But uh, I'm surprised Malakili wasn't a Jedi. That's usually what uh, happens. (laughs) He was on Um, a secret assignment from the Emperor. There, There are two things in this physical description that I love, Ken. Yeah. I don't know why this is jumping out at me, but sweat-soaked rag belt. I love that there's no specification of whose sweat. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. One would assume Malakili's. And then this is just jumping out at me that he has wrist guards, which I guess makes sense if you're feeding yeah. beasts and you don't want to be bit. But like the idea of like, hey, I know I'm topless and all my vital organs are as exposed as possible without being literally outside my body. But I got to protect my wrist. Yeah, that's uh, that's great. And here's a final, you know, uh, I'm pulling it. I, I forgot to scroll down. I wanted to give credit. Uh, Malakili, uh, Rancor Keeper, was portrayed by Paul Brook in the film. But his sobs, those very famous sobs we're going to get to, were provided by Ernie Fossilis. Ernie Fossilis is the creative visionary behind Hardware Wars. And Uh-oh. by this time, it's starting to actually do some voice work and uh, appears a, a couple places in Star Wars. Um, but that's that's a deep cut in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. No, that's great. And just a tribute to how much uh, Lucas has uh, was always OK with a little bit of parody and fun with Star Wars. 
Always said Hardware's War, Hardware Wars was his favorite uh, Star Wars parody. Um, so let's go back to 1983. For us, that, that is uh, around our entry point in Star Wars. We always celebrate uh, many different entry points into Star Wars, no matter where you uh, discovered yourself becoming a fan. We, we love those journeys. But let's go back to our youth, Joseph. Um, what do you think? Uh, what did you think of the Rancor Keeper growing up? I think uh, I thought he was both funny and I was haunted by him. <laughs> um, I think the the funny part came uh, from two places. I think just the, the sight of this guy who, you know, was uh, topless and uh, times change, things change, no body shaming. But yeah. growing up then, uh, you know, there was this sort of like the joke of like, hey, yeah. if you're topless on the beach, it's because you're you're ripped and I was a really scrawny kid. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, mm -hmm. I grew up with like the actual like cartoons of like, Hey, don't take your shirt off on the beach because the muscular guy will kick sand on you and shame you. Right. right. Yeah. So I had a lot of hangups about like, don't let people see my body. Cause it's not quote unquote good enough. Right. 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 Uh, so I don't want to be really clear about that. That's the perspective I was coming from, but then there mm -hmm. was still this kind of comedy to like, none of the, none of the ripped people are going around topless, but he is, <laughs> he's just like, right. <laughs> there was, it's good. I'm I'm not I'm gonna live uh, out loud and free, you know. Yeah, there was there was some some pride and some uh really uh, uh you know some self confidence. I thought in Malakili. Absolutely, and then I think for me there was the um the the figures just grew and grew of how many were being made, and by the time yeah. you get to Return of the Jedi, it's like we're gonna make so many more, and that I, I even as a kid like I had Malakili. He was called the Rancor Keeper at the time, uh, but even I was like, this is great. Why do I have him? <laughs> Why do I have him? <laughs> I wanted him. I was glad to own oh, yeah. him, but at still at the same time, I could not have put it into words as a child. But it was just that that humor of the the absolute completionist to Star Wars yeah. collecting of like, look, we we all know by people want a Han Solo or a Luke Skywalker or a Boba Fett, a Leia, uh, especially Leia and Bush 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 disguise. But like, hey, you want the the topless guy who cried, right? <laughs> Yeah, and look, it is um, it talk about world building. The fact that you know, and, and me as as a kid, uh, I was very terrified. I was a, a very skittish kid and terrified of the rancor. Like that, that was yeah. kind of a nightmare sequence for me. The 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 rancor keeper coming in there, I, I didn't connect with it in this way at that time, but like it was probably there. Just like it made it all the the world seem so real that even this horrible beast has this uh, keeper that's affected by it. Uh, and I'm a big animal lover, so I, it it helped me with the rancor a little bit after there. Um, and and I I, I I so I credit that. I it just it's just it's just wonderful little spice in the Star Wars Super Return of the Jedi that made me. And I don't think I ever got the classic Kenner figure. I do have the Power of the Force figures, but it just made me like the rancor keeper going forward. Yeah, no, me too. And that, that's where the haunted comes from. Because, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I uh, you know, grew up with uh, pets that I absolutely loved. Like one of the most emotionally devastating things of my young life was watching the special, you know, Snoopy come home where Snoopy leaves. Right. <laughs> I was like, this is unacceptable. I did, did fast forward to the end. Uh, you know, I was watching it live broadcast, so I couldn't like, no, like I loved animals so much. I, I thought Star Wars was cool and all that. Uh, but the, the, I understood as a, as a kid that the Malakili crying for the rancor was kind of supposed to be a joke but I did not find it funny. I found it extremely upsetting. I was haunted yeah. by it because like, oh, but the, I, I thought it was great when Luke destroyed that scary beast. But now that I have a framework to think of him as my poodle Dusty, 
<laughs> I'm upset. Well, this is, I want to dive into this here of, of, of this, this idea of watching him cry over the death of the ferocious rancor that almost killed our hero, Luke Skywalker. And I know you're, you're a big Luke Skywalker fan as am I, yeah. that, that, that was your guy. Um, did it, did it change, uh, your view on the rancor? I, I said it made it, made, made, made me less afraid of the rancor, but did it challenge you on what Luke had just done? Or did you say, well, Luke had to do this to survive. Are we already having those deep philosophical conversations where you're kind of <laughs> like, well, why'd you do that, Luke? <laughs> I don't think I ever got mad at Luke because yeah. Luke clearly had the option of, uh, eat or escape. <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah, you know, absolutely. and and maybe a more mature Luke would would find a way to you know escape that uh, mm. did not uh, kill Patissa. Um, but no, it never made me uh, down on Luke. It just made me feel bad for Malakili. It made yeah. me feel like, oh, did you maybe make some wrong turns in life? Like, yeah. if you're if you're responsible for this rancor, you know, maybe you should have taught the rancor <laughs> better manners than to eat people. <laughs> Like obviously the rancor is doing the rancor is doing what it's supposed to do when when the people get dropped down, uh, chew them up, eat them up, got it, doing well, doing doing the work. If anything, it makes you more upset at Jabba for taking this rancor, you know, which probably enjoys the food, but it, just making it and 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 Malakili probably having to to train it to to this is what you do and it's a form of entertainment. So maybe I'm more mad at Jabba. Than- yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, I'm. I, th- that's the conclusion we come to. Jabba's a real jerk. Job is a jerk. Did you? Uh, and I think I've, I've I've mentioned this on Force Center, uh, the main feed here. Um, but I want to address it. It's a perfect spot for it here. In eighty three or eighty three to forty five range, um, I, I, I was pretty convinced, and therefore try to convince my friends that uh, Malakili, the Rancor Keeper, was in fact George Went from Cheers. <laughs> I think I would have believed that at a time. Yeah. Again, uh, George went, uh, you know, uh, body type kind of matches up, but it was more more than that. It was the face and the kind of similar vibe. And then around that time, I learned that Cliff was in Empire Strikes Back. So I I think it confirmed what I had thought. (laughs) No books. I didn't check this. There's no IMDB to go to. I just was like, I think it's that Cheers guy. And I wasn't even really allowed to watch Cheers. I just was aware of it. So I think by by mid to late 80s, I was convinced for a while that that was George Wynn. I think that I probably paused the movie thinking I had made a discovery because like one of the great memories of my life is, uh, you know, finally getting uh, the whole original trilogy on VHS, <laughs> pan and scan VHS. And uh, I watched Cheers not only on Thursday when it was broadcast, but in Minneapolis where I was growing up, it was on at 1030 after the news every night. I watched Cheers <laughs> every night of the week except for Saturday and Sunday. Uh, so. It was mind blowing to me when we were watching Empire Strikes Back, and I suddenly screamed, "Stop! Stop!" <laughs> uh, Cliff Clavin's on Hoth, uh, you know. Uh, and I was proud of myself for noticing, right? So I'm sure I had a m- moment where it's like, "Can I relive the magic?" Is that George Went? Uh, no, it's not. Yeah, and on the Cliff Clavin, uh, John Ratzenberger one. That's one of the first times early on in my life I realized that oh, actors sometimes use accents that aren't there. I, I couldn't understand why that rebel who I now realize with John Ratzenberger did not have a Boston accent. <laughs> it sneaks in a little bit there. Everybody, oh. she's station. Let's go. Let's go. Um, so here's this is the big thing here. We're talking about Malakili, man. We're talking about Malakili. Uh, but he was the rancor keeper. He was the rancor keeper. Even I think long after. On the Baba, uh, you know, Momon Nadan, all these other kind of wonderful Star Wars background weirdos get names uh, in the late 80s. Uh, and maybe this popped up then. I didn't, but I 
even though I started to go, oh, that's Pandababa. I still called him rank or keeper until Wendeg's aftermath. I never really? addressed him by any other name. Really? Yeah. That's fascinating. Um, for me, this was a Power of the Force 2 journey. And I know, yeah. you know, the action figures are not where a lot of these characters got their names, the different uh, RPGs and resource materials and all that. Um, but when there's that first wave, first couple waves of Power of the Force 2 characters, and it was oh, all the classics. Like, it, we've always known his name was Luke Skywalker. Good. Um, but then, like, Ponda Baba started coming out, and that was one of the things I looked forward to, Ken. Of, mm. I'm going to walk into Target one day and I'm just going to know the Rancor Keeper's name. And yeah, <laughs> I enjoyed the the joy and the absurdity at the time. It was a huge part of my Star Wars joy that he had a name and I knew it now and I could pull it out like a party trick. Right. <laughs> if somebody brought up that, were you sad when he cried? And I'd be like, you mean Malakili? Malakili. <laughs> yeah, I had that figure. I bought it with pride. Mm. Uh, so happy to learn the name. Yeah, uh, it, yeah, it pops up. I'm, I'm just looking in, uh, you know, the the history of it. There's there's too much to to, to mention, and uh, but it really comes to the forefront when um, when Deg uh, sits down to to work on Aftermath and expressed uh, interest in writing about a lot of different characters, including uh, Omi, uh, Omai, which is uh, the uh, Diagnoga uh, Chief Chirpa, and uh, Malakili. So he gets to write about Malakili. Uh, and then just kind of reintroduced him to me in a, in a new way. Like, I, I just was so excited. I really thought that was a great use of the character. So the, the, learning the name even a little bit later in my Star Wars fandom uh, just uh, helped uh, me uh, love this guy even more. It makes perfect sense with his his trajectory as a character. Uh, his, his reaction to Patissa uh, gave humanity to the Rancor. And not just calling him the Rancor Keeper. That's not that's not all he is. That's his job. <laughs> but he has a name, damn it, and it's Malakili. I, I had a history. I worked in the circuses. I've opened up a restaurant now. All these kind of things. Don't um, just call me Crystal Moon co-owner. Yeah. That's not my name. Yeah. My name's Malakili. So going to uh, that Aftermath series, and uh, it, the, one of the things about Chuck Wendig's Aftermath series, especially the first book, is uh, it was a little marketed as the new canon continuation of the Star Wars story following Return of the Jedi, but really it couldn't play with a lot of the the, the Hans, Lukes, and the Leias. Uh, Wendig didn't have uh, the ability to tell their story. Um, so it was playing with new characters and the characters that we love, Singer comes to mind, uh, you know, Nora Wexley, all these, all these great characters, but the, these interludes, he got to you Jar Jar's in them, all these guys. And I've always loved that. And, and I think you're right. It's, it's, it's uh, the use of, of Malakili just, uh, was, was really good uh, storytelling of like, well, that's a, that's a beast master from Jabba's palace. What else has he done? Who is he? Let's explore that a little bit. And, and, uh, we learned that Malakili was not on the Katana. He survived. And then later gets involved with Cobb Vanth in his fight against the Red Key Raiders. Where were you at um, with all that information, including the big one? Hey, he's alive. He's out there. <laughs> he's alive. Malakili lives. No, I was thrilled with it. I think, it, you know, we've had a lot of storytelling like this. Uh, it isn't entirely generational dependent, but I, I really recognize it when it's somebody generally the same age as us who grew up with the original trilogy and had those very specific uh, conversations of, uh, yeah, the Rancor Keeper. He's kind of a funny figure to have. How'd you feel about the crying? Oh, wow, he's got a name. It's Malakili. You go on that kind of, that whole journey and he's one of those characters that's mostly like, there's not much, he's not super important to the story, so let's just kind of joke or riff or imagine. Mm -hmm. And to have, you know, uh, somebody have, take that and 
go actually somewhere with it in aftermath is this great uh flavor this great feeling yeah this all those it's you know what i think the expanded canon the books can do really well and now even shows like book of boba fett of hey there's a million stories just in the original trilogy of what's what's going on with this background weirdo yeah. and to take malakili in particular and go like yeah but if, if he actually handled that beast <laughs> yeah you know if uh if those pants are from a circus <laughs> that means something uh and i loved i haven't reread it in a long time but i love that idea of he has a skill and it's a valuable one and it ties into a lot of star wars lore of like we see beasts of burden everywhere well how do they get tamed how do you build a humane relationship with them and the fact that we need some help with these rontos from the special edition is great and then the the hutlet part of it is even more intriguing so i really loved it from lots of perspectives yeah it's and and uh it's one of the things i uh, to to say one more thing about just wendig and the interludes all generally all those interludes some of them were with new characters but a lot of the ones where characters were brought back did kind of what you're describing of taking something small taking something we all grew up with as a star wars fan from that certain generation and, and and but not just referencing them, but giving them purpose. Literally, this is a story of. Uh, he says he has this quote. It's on Wikipedia. Uh, uh, Malakili says to Cobb Vanth, "I have no value to you. Kill me. My creature Batessa uh, is dead. All my beasts are gone." And then they cut him off. Kind of like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> you job as ranker. And it's and it's and it's that 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 writing is not the burly, topless kind of cartoon character we all grew up with. That's yeah. the guy that was crying. It's like it's like that. Let's explore that. Why? Why was he so connected? What's his story and what's his purpose beyond that? I think that's great, and, and, and it added, added a lot to Maliki. That's a great way to say it. That's the guy that was crying. Yeah, and I mean, we're having fun with a uh, weirdo Malakili, but I also think that is a part of the power of it to me of that truth that uh, we often do just because of the way our brains are wired, kind of perceive ourselves as uh, the main character going through our story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that always trying to remember that that maybe that person you see doing something weird at the grocery store in the story of your life. That's a moment. <laughs> They're a side character, but knowing they have a whole story, they have value. And if you spent time with them, you would get to know what that story is and what that value is. It's just, I think it's a star Wars philosophy and it's fun to see it play out with a, with a weird character like the rancor keeper. See, there you go. The fun and the philosophy. Of <laughs> it's all there. Uh, almost done here. A couple more questions, but this is this is interesting. This is kind of recent development here. Hasbro, of course, has uh, their HasLab, which they put out those big uh, projects. You can they're crowd crowdfunded. Uh, the Razor Crest is one of the first big ones that kind of came to mind. They do it across a lot of their properties, but Star Wars uh, probably gets the most uh, most uh, conversations out there in the pop culture news world. There, um, they put out a, a HasLab project for the Rancor. And uh, I don't, I forget where it is. At. I have to check at the time of this recording, but they were struggling and have been struggling to fund their Rancor project. So yeah, it, it, it has failed. It has failed completely. Yes. That's too bad. So now I ask this question here, Joseph. They added, in trying to get people to do it, they added Malakili as a stretch goal. Does that speak to the value of Malakili or because now that it has uh, failed, does it speak to the lack of respect for Malakili? Yeah, I, I think this speaks of how much the uh, what can be a, at first glance a side character, possibly even a jokey character in Return of the Jedi that can become truly deeply meaningful 
to fans and collectors. I kind of joked about like, I'm happy to have this action figure, even though it's a weird one. Uh, that is the way of Star Wars. Give us the weird ones. And the reaction was that uh, that when they announced, so it's a six inch scale black series, right core. Right. Okay. And they announced a lot of the stretch goals and there were things that kind of people were not happy with or felt a little bit uh, like they expected. And they pushed back and they're like, excuse us. <laughs> <laughs> Hasbro, but where is Malakili? <laughs> and they actually added him as, uh, you would get him uh, just not even as a stretch goal, just like, yeah. of course the Rancor should come with Malakili. So I think it speaks volumes of like... There you go. Uh, Patissa is nothing without the Keeper, right? <laughs> I agree. No, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, I don't have a ton of Rancor stuff because uh, Rancor stuff is usually big, but I think one of the ones I do have is I have a Funko scene, and it is uh, it's with the the Gamorrean guard that uh, met his untimely uh, fate, and Luke, and no Malakili. So now I'm retroactively going, give me a Rancor keeper of Funko to put in that set. Yeah, it was really really fun to see people get upset because uh, what a lot of people said is we absolutely need Malakili and the Nikto who comforted him. <laughs> That's right. It's yeah, no, it, no, that's that's a great point. It's it's a it's a little bit of a buddy system there. It is uh it is that both were affected by it. Yeah, and it was it's it's really funny to see like people's opinions are valid and I'm not making fun of anybody, but it is funny to see how how a thing that can be jokey can become like deadly serious because there were so many angry responses of like if you want us to take you seriously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Add Malakili and his friend Girin. Yes, that's right. Kadas Sa Nikto Girin. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll talk more about him in future episodes. Um, yeah, I, I love you. Love your summary of there, the whole Haslab thing there. It, it is, it is a testament to the power of Malakili, and maybe from the beginning uh, that would have changed things. Um, so, some final questions, some final thoughts here on uh, on uh, Malakili. Uh, uh, do, do 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 you do, do you? Uh, I, I was going to say, would you ever? Uh, <laughs> Dress up as Malakili. That's more of a question for me. Um, I, I, I admire his true comfort. Uh, in future, if he shows up in future Star Wars storytelling, at the time of this recording, he, there's probably several places he could show up. Do you, do you want him to be kind of dressed the same, or do you feel maybe it's time for him to get a shirt? Look, uh, if those pants are that old, I want him to freshen up his pants, just for his own personal comfort. <laughs> so topless is okay, but... but uh, that's part of who he is, but pants, maybe, maybe if you're owning a restaurant, clean up those pants. I feel like topless is his brand. Uh, and I think that's fine. Branding can be a gift and a curse. So maybe Malakili doesn't want to stay that way. I don't know. I think his shirt should at least be see-through. How about that? See-through with like a tie, like a mesh see-through vest with the arms exposed. I think yeah. I, I'm good with that. You know what, what look I really wanted, uh, want, which I discovered, uh, while, while looking up the power of the force Two action figure, uh, from the legacy collection line of action figures. I don't know why there wasn't room, but he's packaged, uh, with uh, his his headwear separate, uh, like it's an accessory. So uh, it really makes Malakili look like a pro wrestler because he's oh, just yeah. bald. <laughs> he just, again, he, he like won like a Texas state champion uh, chip belt for global wrestling in 1990. He's got that build of an old style guy. Yeah. Um, final question for you there. Uh, you're, you've been a pet owner throughout your life, Joseph. We're both uh, dog folks. Uh, we're little dog folks. I think you, you had a, a grand great chihuahua in your life and I have a couple uh, in mine. Um, but if you had a big dangerous pet, would you trust Malakili with it here in this real world? 
I would absolutely. Uh, look, I mean, Malakili, maybe he's got some fashion issues. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe he doesn't freshen up his pants. Maybe he does show up, uh, you know, in Book of Boba Fett with a shirt that says, Eat at Crystal Moon. Uh, <laughs> I would not trust him to help me pick out fashion. I would absolutely trust him with a big, dangerous pet. Uh, mm-hmm. My chihuahua, Nico, uh, was a sweetheart, but uh, he had his limits. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and if you crossed him, uh, he had his unique biting technique where he would just move very fast and serrate your flesh. Uh, I would trust Malakili with a giant version of my old Chihuahua Nico. I absolutely would, too. I might need help with him now with Baxter, uh, <laughs> who employs that same Chihuahua, uh, you know, multiple bites wearing you down. Sandpaper in you down. Uh, yeah, I would too. I would too. And uh, yeah, I got some friends who have some great dates. I think Malachi would be a perfect fit. A perfect fit. fit. Uh, and I love uh, I love going to zoos. Uh, uh, I, I would love to see a, a topless rancor keeper, keeper just wandering around the zoo doing the great work with the animals. <laughs> Beautiful. One of the final things we uh, do here on every episode is where you're going to rate this character, the wild and weird factor of Malakili. Our rating is based on one of the original Star Wars weirdos, one of the great ones, Lobot. So out of 10 Lobot heads, Joseph, one being the least, 10 being the most, how many Lobot heads do you give Malakili? I'm going to give him six. I'm not going to go too high because I think it is a little bit of his presentation in Return of the Jedi. Uh, the fact that he was an action figure, we didn't know his name uh, for a long time. Uh, I think that's some, that's some of the stuff that makes him weirder. But with his actual character, what he actually does, yeah. <laughs> co-owns restaurants, <laughs> participates yep. in circuses, trains beasts. He is a serious, multi-talented human of the galaxy. So I'm only going to go up to uh, six Lobot heads for Malakili. That is great. I was going to trend lower and then I started to push it up. Uh, I'm going to go five right in the middle because uh, it is, it's one of those things you pull back. It's just kind of weird and wonderful. We always say weird in a, in, a, in a respectful way in Star Wars. It's just weird that this topless headdress, circus pant wearing dude <laughs> cried over this killer creature. That's kind of weird, but it's so normal and it's so part of the world that it just kind of lowers it. But then you're right. When you look at the big picture, uh, starting in circuses, ending up in a restaurant, crying all the way through, and being the crying dude in Star Wars. That's We call him Malakila Rancor Keeper. There's probably a lot of people who are like, oh, the, the crying dude, um, which I love that he's in touch with his emotions and can express yep. them. There's some wonderful things there, uh, but it is overall pretty weird when you stop and think about it. So I'm going five Lobots for Malakili. Five Lobots. I think that's great. I think we learned a lot from Malakili. Don't bottle it up. Yeah. Don't bottle it up. Cry. Be confident. Be yourself. That is the story of Malakili. We are the Force Center podcast feed. And if you want to listen to us outside of the companion, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. And all the right uh, correct links are there to take you on your Force Center journey. Uh, Thanks so much to the fine folks at the companion for hosting us there. Uh, And here, I should say. Uh, We are uh, also uh, got our own things going on. You can follow me at Kadnapsock or go to my website, Kadnapsock.com. Joseph, where can they go for you? Yeah, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can check out all my other comedy adventures on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. That is it for this episode. We have taken a deep dive into the Star Wars databanks here on Databank Dive. See you next time, friends. Bye.